Okay, and we're live on the first episode of the Bitcoin Plebeians podcast. We interview Bitcoin plebs, those who set the floor with DCA, defend the network rules using nodes, and push the price upwards. Um, today we're, we're chilling with Baby Yoda BTC. Hello, how's everyone been? <laughs> uh I uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, baby Yoda BTC. I do a lot of uh uh big tweets about Bitcoin. I like it a lot. Kind of everything I've ever wanted. Uh no no altcoins, but yeah, that's mm. with me. How has everyone been? You're talking like you've already spoken with them. Uh, <laughs> I mean I've I've spoken to a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah, let's hope a few of them listen in. So, I got a special topic for us to discuss that I know Baby Yoda BTC has not um, encountered very much before because he hasn't read the Bitcoin standard. Very unfortunate. unfortunate. <laughs> um, but we're going to cover unsound money and perpetual war, um, a section of Saifedean's Bitcoin standard. Um but before we get into that, um, I was just wondering, uh, why Baby Yoda BTC? You know, I mean, I was, I'm pretty bad at coming up with names, and I just figured that, like, Baby Yoda was a big meme, and everyone loves the Mandalorian. No one hates Baby Yoda, and, like, just why not? Like, Baby Yoda. It, it was just kind of on a whim, nothing really behind it, besides, I think Baby Yoda's pretty awesome. Interesting. Yeah, uh, my Twitter account's Truman.Hoddle. Do you get the reference? I do. It's from the Truman Show, and it's a movie where this guy is basically on a movie set, and he doesn't know it. He lives his whole life in this fake world, and he finally starts to catch on, and finally he figures out the secret. And I feel like listening to Bitcoin podcasts, lots of people have that experience. It's like our whole... Like, once you learn about sound money and Bitcoin, it's like, it has real changes in your, the way you see the world and how you live your life. Is that true? I definitely agree with that. Before I was into Bitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin was the only thing that motivated me to actually get a job. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, because I had literally zero money. Well, I had maybe like a couple hundred, and I was really into Bitcoin, because I pretty much, I, I already knew a lot about it and was listening to tons of YouTube videos and just listening to a lot of the media, Bitcoin media. And I just realized if Bitcoin really is this once in like a lifetime opportunity, do I really just want to make maybe like one or 200 bucks off of it? Definitely not. So I started my own like mowing business and I worked all summer and earned what I could. So, from scratch? From scratch. You're self-employed self-employed but yeah without bitcoin i definitely wouldn't have I, I like it's changed my view a lot on saving and preparing for the future i think yeah another thing i noticed about bitcoin is that especially bitcoiners really reward hard work and effort and smart people and it's less about like these more superficial uh measures of character i don't know if that's the right word but like I feel like, you know, you're stacking stats, you're working hard. That's good. It's like, 
Hard work. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I definitely want to start putting out content into the space. So that's the point of this podcast. Maybe I'll start writing articles or make a YouTube channel. But you got any plans to start um, putting more out than poop posts on Twitter? I mean, it's kind of, I've been interested in just gaming in general and just making info on that. But Mm -hmm. I think if I were to do that, it would definitely be like a huge inside joke where I would just plug and chill Bitcoin constantly in between everything. Yeah. And just make references. But I don't know. I don't really have any plans of, I'll I'll be active on Bitcoin Twitter. That's pretty much where I am mostly talking about Bitcoin. Maybe even a BTC. But uh, I don't really plan on starting my own podcast or writing articles or anything of that. I just plan on hopefully getting as many people as I can just to start to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And from what I've heard, you've been incredibly successful. In what way? Like you've got a lot of friends who are now Bitcoiners oh, that before true. you were not Bitcoiners. Yeah. Those are a lot of, those are people from real life. I haven't really done it on with people necessarily online yet, but yeah, just a lot of dumb posting in our, Socks group chat got like probably four, three or four people into Bitcoin very heavily, as much as I am, even though they're all Bitcoiners. But I think being in crypto is a start. But once we get, once we maximize them, that'll be fine. That's right. Yeah, I went through a poop coin phase, but then I listened to Tales from the Crypt and changed my life. <laughs> yes, I would probably be very poor right now. If it weren't for Matt Odell and Marty Bent. Yeah, hard show to them. Thank mm-hmm. you, guys. But that's interesting. So that's something a lot of people struggle with is orange pilling your their friends. But you've done that successfully. Like like me, I, I haven't orange pilled too many people. And especially not to the degree that you have. I mean, I think... A lot of it is just, I think, I, well, people say that Bitcoin is all built on, like, the way it works is it functions on greed. People want more money. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin, in, like, you earn money and you're rewarded for, like, being in it and keeping it secure if you're a miner. But I, I think I just, like, was very interested in it. And my friends saw that I was interested in it. So they were giving it a shot. And I think I would I would use TipCC on Discord, this uh, crypto bot. And I would, I would, I would run like, I would get like ten Discord accounts all running a program that'll collect a bunch of free crypto drops, and then they mostly got interested into that. So they were just realizing that they could make like maybe five to ten bucks a day picking up free cryptocurrency giveaways online. And now that's now that like they just have a bunch of crypto, um, and like it's it's really good. Uh, and I I think it's just it's just it's just keeps them a lot interested more interested into it because they're getting all this money from it there's a lot of potential gains in the space you just have to take it yeah they get a taste of that ngu technology and you can't go back to your five percent a year if you're lucky uh s&p 500 portfolio right yeah definitely i think that just like me talk I, i talk about bitcoin a lot and i think just being around me, there's no way you can't look into it at least. And I think 
that's probably how how that probably is how it is for a lot of Bitcoiners. Yeah. I feel like it's just the right idea at the right time, you know? And so when it's got like this network effect, like the spread, like I got into Bitcoin because of somebody and then I orange pilled many people in my life and then you've orange pilled many people in your life. And it feels like it's, it's like a contagious idea philosophy that a lot of people can latch on to and combined with the NGU technology number go up for the for the what are we going to call our listeners not freaks uh fellow plebs I don't know. fellow plebs yeah for the plebs out there all the plebs out there like ourselves uh, yeah yeah this is a pretty plebby podcast, isn't it? Very plebby. I like it. It's just my environment. I thrive in this environment. Yeah. Well, we talk a lot a lot about Bitcoin, don't we? We do. And I feel like it, it seems different with a microphone. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's just like, a spot to talk about Bitcoin. Like, there's nothing else. It's it's weird it could, if you're planning to talk about it. I guess so. Normally, it's just always on a whim because we're just, there's always new news in the space. Yeah. Do you want to get into the material I prepared? Sure. We can riff on some of the things. And then maybe afterwards, we can chat about something else. But that's interesting. Bitcoin entrepreneurship programming bots orange pulling your friends that's pretty cool yeah very good yeah so um so my favorite section of the bitcoin standard is unsound money and perpetual war and it made the connection to fiat currency and to war and violence in such a direct way, it was like the strongest moral argument for Bitcoin that I'd seen. And I don't feel like people talk about this enough. Mm-hmm. Have, have you heard of this argument for Bitcoin much? I don't think so, no. Yeah. So, um, Saifedean makes the point that trade is essential for, your be- for a better life. Okay, so um, the modern individual living in a a free trading society is able to work for a few hours a day in a highly specialized job with the money she makes. Um, she is able to purchase the goods she wants from whichever producers in the entire planet make them with the lowest cost. So basically, because we all specialize and get very good at one thing and we have millions of people specializing in what they're good at, um, we're able to live a better quality of life and uh, work less. And that's a good thing, right? Yeah. So trade is pretty important. Yeah, I've learned about that in my economics class, how we were studying about how if someone's really efficient at making a certain item and not and less, at a, less of another item, like say I'm really good at making... Uh, 
computers, and I'm not that good at making, uh, let's say, uh, soap dispensers. Like, if I invest all of my time into making computers, I can then use, I can then trade my computers that I am really good at making and really efficient at making for other people that are more efficient at making soap dispensers, and it's just a win-win situation. So right. Like, yeah. There's just added productivity versus as if we all just completely covered everything. In specializ specialization, you can make sure that everyone is producing everything extremely efficiently. Right. And there's another economics concept called economies of scale. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? I have. I'm not sure. What <laughs> I'm not sure what it means, but I've heard of it. So I'm pretty sure that it means just that um, as you produce... Let, let's see. In microeconomics, economies of scale are the cost advantages that enterprises obtain due to their scale of operation. Yeah. So if you're producing one car a day, that's pretty difficult, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you're producing a thousand cars a day, or just because of the sheer quantity, because you specialize in something that obviously you don't need a thousand cars every day, but because you specialize, trade your labor for something else, um, you're able to produce it way more efficiently than if everybody produced their own thing. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So trade's important. We covered two economic principles. A Economies of skill and what was the one you talked about? Specialization. Yeah. Um, so here's another good part of this section. So to quote Saifedean, I hope he doesn't mind, uh, buy his Bitcoin standard book if you haven't. Um, first, unsound money is itself a barrier to trade between companies. Uh, countries because it distorts value between the countries and makes trade flows a political issues, creating animosity and animity between governments and populations. Second, governments having access to a printing press allows it to continue fighting until it completely destroys the value of its currency and not just until it runs out of money. With sound money, the government's war effort was limited by the taxes it could collect. With unsound money, it is restrained by how much money it can create before the currency is completely destroyed. That's, yeah, it's definitely amazing. I think it's kind of crazy that we're still latched on to this idea of paper. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it, was, it works for a while until we switched off the gold standard, as you all know. Like, a dollar was worth gold in it, it kind of represented it, and it was it was fine the way it was, but once it just became paper, that we just um, all decided to have value, kind of, it, like it just started inflating away, and it's like, it kind of demotivates people to save and plan for the future. Right, and, and when people pay taxes, it's a real burden, right? The, Americans in 1776 fought a revolution over like what a small percent increase in tax on their tea um, like people care about paying their taxes they don't want high taxes and especially um, paying taxes to support violence 
um, like war in which um, your sons or daughters or your neighbors are being killed in a foreign country for some f foreign interest that's detached from you, you're not going to be willing to finance that directly if your government is taxing you. You just would say, let's end the war. But um, because the government can just devalue the currency continually, it's more of an implicit cost on the citizens of the country, and it can make war last a lot longer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously clear. Bitcoin is the answer. Yeah. I just, I, uh, I think it's just, it's like Bitcoin, it like, as the more I've been into the Bitcoin space, the more I just find it inevitable. Like, there's no way you don't eventually switch to it. Right. It's just like, it's just something, it's just better in every single way. And once our currency inevitably collapses, like we all know it will, it's just going to be the better money that we switch to because there's obviously paper hasn't worked in the past and won't work in the future. Yeah. Do you understand this connection though? Like, here's another section from the book. Um, so an example of a war when we had sound money was the Franco-Prussian War in 1870 to 1871, which lasted for nine months and killed around 150,000 people, roughly an average week's tally in World War II. So financing by the government with easy money um, allows them to like have these wars continue forever. But in the Franco-Prussian War, um, European governments had to have their expenses prepared before battle by taxing their citizens. And during the battle, um, once one side was more likely to win, it didn't, it doesn't make sense to continue. People don't want to be paying taxes to support this war that's never ending. They just, it's like, and war is destructive, right? Yeah. It definitely, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. And it makes the governments have the money up front. It makes citizens have to consent to being taxed. And I'm sure people would consent to be taxed for defensive purposes because no one wants their country invaded. But to be fighting these, having our troops all over the world, you know, fighting these obscure violence over, like... I don't know, like oil or whatever, you know, terrorism. I don't see any terrorists. Like, I just don't know if it's something that would be funded by people willingly if they had sound money. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's like sound money is just the people's vote. You can either choose to have your power as a person. You can choose if you want to have voice in where your money goes, or you can just give it all up to the government just all up to you which like which which option sounds better i don't know just do you want to hand all of your freedom and just all of your right to choose to the government because yeah like your point on war is lasting way longer when the government can just print money away it's just like they they don't care about like the individual person they don't have our best interest at heart it's just I don't, yeah I don't yeah. Know. yeah and this is one of the most compelling parts of sound money to me is that like in the current fiat system, governments don't need your consent or they can just steal from you 
by inflating your value away and use it for whatever purpose they please. But if they are unable to control the money, um, then it creates a system where people willingly um, pay the government for the value it provides and for things they don't want it to do, you know, it's less likely because the government can't force it out of your hands in this sly way of inflation that most people don't even understand. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's just, it's just not good. Like, like yeah, it, you know, it's, it's interesting to, have you ever heard of the stuff where people, if you basically ask, I think it's interesting how if you ask pretty much anyone what is money, they can't give you an answer. Because no one knows. There's not really a clear understanding of what we're all working our entire lives for and just what our entire world is focused around. Yeah. Definitely. And that's why I love shilling the Bitcoin standard. Um, is because for the first 200 pages of the book, it doesn't mention Bitcoin almost at all. It just talks about what money is right now, what it used to be. And like the history of money, it's like, I feel like it's really important to understand, you know? Yeah, definitely. Or even following people like Michael Saylor. It's like, did you realize um, your stored value is being inflated away at a rate of like 10% every year or whatever? Um, people agree on different numbers, but it's around 10 to 12%, right? Yeah. Uh, based off of like hard commodities right so like how does that justify the 100 trillion dollar bond market which are yielding negative returns one to two percent returns and at best like five percent returns for like 20 year bonds like how is the bond market justified it isn't i think it's just it's just tradition do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're actively just, like, agreeing that I'm going to have less money in the future than I am today, and I can't spend it. It's like... I don't understand it. That's why, that's why I'm in Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> but, hey, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe. We're just, we're just plebeians here. Right. Pretty dumb people. Maybe they're closer to the money spigot. Like, they can take out large loans at very low interest rates because they're rich and yeah i don't know i don't know either who knows it's spooky and gold it's like can you find a asset class that has managed to beat inflation managed well i don't think well i don't know i haven't looked into it has gold beaten inflation is there there isn't really a good way to measure inflation, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, you could measure it by um, taking like a fixed supply asset. Um, like the real estate market or yeah. like the cost of anything truly valuable and measure how much those things increase in price. Yeah, I think real estate is a good example. Yeah, has but real estate definitely has not beaten inflation. You don't think so? Yeah. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, we're just plebs here. 
we're, we're getting too scientific about things we don't know about. Yeah, Bitcoin though. Bitcoin though. Bitcoin though. It, if, if Bitcoin fixes this, it fixes this. That's true. Bitcoin definitely has greater returns. We all know that. Than housing markets and like, oh, S&P 500 index fund. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. need plebs around me more often to remind me that I don't need to understand all of the mumbo jumbo economics. I don't need to have a PhD in economics to know that Bitcoin fixes this, you know? True. Yes. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It is. You want to talk about anything else? We're 25 minutes in to the first Bitcoin podcast of our lives. The first of many. The first of many. Yes. It's been a bit bumpy. It has. We'll, we'll definitely get better as time goes on. We will. More experienced, more seasoned. But uh, I think something i think is interesting is like i was getting into an argument with my friend about how sustainable printing money really is like you we were getting just in an argument over whether or not bitcoin really fixes this austrian economics versus keynesian economics yeah like i was saying that oh the government taking out loans well basically from the way he described it the government will issue bonds which is something that they will have to pay back in the future so They'll be like, hey, can we have some of your money? We'll pay it back. Maybe even less. <laughs> like if you have negative yielding bonds and you're, the government will, well, the government, basically the way bonds work is that you give the government money and they'll give you some amount back later. Right. And that's just how they get their money essentially. And I think I was mentioning how in Austrian economics with hard money, people just you can't necessarily create it like that. It's, well, it's more like, I don't know how to explain it. I think with bonds, basically the government has the ability to take as much money as they want from the people and put it wherever they want. So in the time of a recession, you can put it, like people mention junk bonds a lot, which is basically using the bond money to just fund the most stupid things that will probably never get paid back in the future. Right. So it's not necessarily printing, but it's just creating more money that yeah. is just in circulation. And, and it's not being like spent by the free market. Yeah, but you know? Yeah, and he was arguing, oh, it's to avoid economic downfall. If we don't prop these companies up, then our economy will crash. But just feeding these, like, we, we obviously, obviously know that if we print the money enough and just issue out bonds that the government isn't going to pay back enough, the, the economy will collapse. So do we really want to be printing money? And putting it into just stupid companies and allowing that like the billionaires and the millionaires to just keep lending money to their friends no matter like for no absolutely no reason or if you have fixed money the, the then like funds can be allocated in a better way and i think that the real way we can get maximized economic growth is if we have just smart money going in like educated places so if we have a recession and the um, if the uh, stock market starts dumping really hard, if we don't fund companies that are about to fail, then they're going to fail and we'll be getting rid of those bad businesses and we'll be enabling more productivity and having better businesses replace them. Right. It's Isn't like it? natural yeah. selection, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we could either just keep the most twisted evil companies alive or we could just let them die off and let better ones form. 
Right. If if a company isn't profitable, why are we letting it survive? I don't know. Like I just think that Austrian economics is just better because if we all, it's just like it like in the same example of wars, if people have the like ability to just choose where their money goes, it's just going to be better. If we let the government choose, they're just going to issue it all out just to avoid a short-term recession so maybe like a president will look better or maybe just so the government like so maybe their billionaires can stay rich right they're doing something that the the people the free market wouldn't do themselves yeah if we let the free market choose then it's just democracy it's better i've heard it compared to like um a forest right so humans have been trying to fight forest fires for a long time because forest fires burn down the forest and that can't be a good thing right yeah but what happens is if you let the dead leaves and sticks and trees collect on the forest floor without and put out all the fires that normally clear all that stuff out eventually you'll have an accumulation of so much dead wood over so long that a fire so massive and so hot will happen that it burns the topsoil right off. And you won't have a forest anymore, but you'll have a desert, right? And so what we do is, now that we understand this, we let the forest fires burn controlled. And what this does is it clears out the dead stuff, allows for room of new growth to happen, right? And um, some trees won't even release their seeds without the presence of fire. And so, you know, on a, a face value, a forest fire, that can't be good. We need to put it out. A recession, that can't be good. We can't let the business fail. We need to um, support it in an unnatural way that the free market wouldn't support. But it's like, it's like, no. We don't like, want that. If, if the business dies off, then maybe short-term hardship will happen. The recession will happen. People will lose a lot of money. But what eventually happens is great, greater, bigger, better businesses that this time won't need loans from the government will form that can sustain themselves, that can give people jobs that are going to be a lot more profitable in the long term and benefit right. our economy. The capital gets reallocated. In a better way. In a more efficient way. And it's like, yes, we should let these zombie companies die off. Like, this has always been my hardest thing because people understand Keynesian economics really well. They say, oh, there's a market um, recession. You need to artificially lower interest rates. You need to stimulate the economy, print more so that um, businesses go back to normal. Whoa, it's not good. I just noticed something. Uh-huh. But yeah, what happened? Well, there's this thing on my computer screen. I hope it's... Yeah, it looks like my computer screen got broken. Oh, that's that, not good. That's really not good. Do you see this spot? Yeah. Bro. No bueno. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. That's, that yeah. sucks. Bitcoin fits this. Bitcoin fixes this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I forgot what we were even talking about. Just talking about how Austrian is better. Yeah. If people have the right to choose where their money goes, it's just gonna eventually, just through evolution and just natural selection, 
make better things come out and just our future, in my opinion at least, will be more prosperous if the people were able to choose where they want to go. Right. It's going to be an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. But anyway, as you guys might be able to tell, we're not very good at talking about economics. We're just plebeians, after all. We're just plebs. Just young young teenagers, no college degree. And vibing, straight vibing. To straight the, vibing. To the most sound money that has ever existed. Yeah. Did that dots us too much? I don't think so. I think oh. it's fine. Yeah. We are plebs. We are plebs. Is there anything in Bitcoin that um, is really exciting to you Re recently? All-time high. All-time high? Yeah, I just think there's a major liquidity crisis in Bitcoin. There's not enough to go around. People want to buy some. A lot of very rich people want to buy some, but we're not going to sell it to them. And I think that's very bullish. Said I, should I bring up something controversial? <laughs> sure. Something that Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent would not approve of. Okay. Sure. Yeah. We've got a bad habit. Um, oh, goodness. I can't even admit to this. Are we going to lose all credibility? Of what? If we talk about trading Bitcoin. <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. We can cut it out. <laughs> I think, well, I'm, I've am i stopped trading. It's just more of taking out loans and just leaving the money there. Right. We don't trade big ones. <laughs> We're going to cut that out. But what what are the listeners going to think? What are the listeners going to think? If there's a cut. There's a cut. We won't be honest. I mean, we are we are plebs. We, we like to try things out. If I get Shreked, I get Shreked. I mean, and I'll be poor, and I won't be able to add to the space, and I'll, I'll die off like I should. Right. But I don't know. I think trading is not good. No. And I think that I don't have enough Bitcoin. <laughs> right. It's hard. It is hard. We survived the March crash. Well, we hodled through it. Um, But recently, we're in a bull market, and the price is increasing so fast, and it's like, why not take out the 2x leverage on 10% of your coins with a tight 5% stop loss? And just let it run. I don't know. And let it run. So you're risking 5% of your 10% 10 per, 10 trading allocation. Um, but you can let it run. And it's like taking out a loan to... Except for, for miners. <laughs> it's loans for people, for miners. I don't know. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely we would like your input. What do you think about this? Is it horrible? Should we stop right now? Please, right. Like... Or we'll probably post this on Twitter if you hear this, and then just give us a reply. Tell us either we're absolutely stupid, or, or maybe I don't know. Maybe what we're doing is fine if it's calculated risk. I don't know. Let us know. We have been fairly successful, and that's the only thing that keeps me doing it. It's because I'm green overall, like in a big way, and those are fresh satoshis I couldn't live without. You know. Every Satoshi matters. Yeah. ASM. ASM? All Satoshis. Oh. <laughs> BSM? Just kidding, just kidding. Uh-oh. Uh um, but yeah, pretty dope. I think, yeah, I think we're just trying to become the best that we can be. We're inexperienced. We're plebeians. Yeah. So, so 
I think, like, a vision of this podcast would be to, like, not only, like, talk about the club's perspective and why they're into Bitcoin, but also maybe, like, encourage others to start contributing to the space in a bigger way than poop posting on Twitter. Yeah. That's important. But it's not like, is my Bitcoin plebs podcast offering any value? You know? I think so. I think so. It's like I'm trying here, guys. You got to put some content out into the void. See how it does. My first Twitter post got absolutely no interaction, I think. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, guys. Go back to Baby Yoda BTC's profile and like his latest tweet latest tweet. no his oldest, oldest tweet. tweet i have no idea what that is that's how we're gonna know you listened 36 minutes in we're proud of you if you've made it this far if you've made it this far you were very cool um, i think this is a good time to address the listeners and i think we know who the listeners are this far in hello mom hello dad <laughs> hello. oh no are we dot saying that <laughs> <laughs> we have parents. <laughs> we have parents. <laughs> oh goodness. My first tweet was I hodl Bitcoin. One like, one retweet. Probably from you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you guys can't tell well, we'll let them guess what our relationship is. <laughs> if you guess it right, we'll I'll give you a Satoshi. I'll, I'll lightning network you a hundred Satoshis. Two cents now. Two, 3.3 cents. 2.35 cents. Yeah. Three. For three. Yeah. So, um... I think, yeah, it's good to have opposing viewpoints. I mean, I think what we're, like, with the trading and with uh, the... Maybe, yeah, we could have some maybe degen traders on here. See what they think. You can either completely roast them, or you could maybe, like... I think it's good to just hear people's side of the story. So, like, while I may not agree with ETH heads and XRP, uh, the DXRP army, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to hear what they have to say. I don't agree with them, but, like... I Definitely. And we would like to hear what you have to say. It's... Yeah. But I, I remember when I was trying to get into this club, um, this investment club that was pretty prestigious... Um, and I wrote my essay on decentralized finance a year ago, back when I was into altcoins and they denied me and I'm like, Oh, you guys, come on, be a bit more future looking on these digital assets. But looking back, reading that essay, I was like, Oof, I got a lot wrong. You know, Bitcoin is the Bitcoin, not blockchain, you know? Yeah. We're all here to learn, become better people. That's right. And, you know, when I think about my end goal, I'd love to get like a job in the Bitcoin space sometime in my life. And I think the best way to do that is to just start putting out poop content. Maybe Um, it'll get not poop. Maybe one day it will improve. Maybe from poop to pee <laughs> number two to number one that's exactly. we're coming for you tales from the crypt we're, we're in we're coming we're yeah yeah slowly then suddenly the plebs out there pleb army where are you at the plebs outnumber the bitcoin celebrities even though we love the bitcoin celebrities but 
Yeah. Well, we're going to try and grow this podcast fast. So if you're a pleb out there and have listened this far, reach out. And we want to have a chat with you. We do. Like, literally. We want to chat with you. So Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Sorry. Is this a good... We're 40 minutes in. Have we covered everything we want to cover? You bullish on Lightning Network? What do you mean by bullish? I mean, I like it, but I think it doesn't need to be used until there's demand for it. Like right now, I'm, I don't need to put my money on that Lightning Network, so I won't. But I don't know. I think that just as fees get higher, people will just need to use it and they'll use it. Um, I, think, I think it's a good solution, but I just, as of right now, I don't need it. Yeah. I think that's like a big problem that I think a lot of plebs struggle with is like at what point do you invest in a in a full node? That's like a three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollar investment. Um, and it's like, Matt, I hear you, I listen to you, I want the full node, but you know how large does your stat need to be to justify? Um, justify that investment of a full node and maybe multi-sid with cold cards now you're looking at like a 700 dollars setup it's like we don't have like maybe peak bull market you know we hit one million a coin and i'll shave off a few satoshis but until then it's like i have trouble partying with the stats you know what i mean i do know what you mean reach out let us know what, at what point do you buy the node? I mean, you definitely shouldn't sell your sats to buy a node. Once you get your hands on some dirty fiat, then maybe. Oh, true. But, I don't know. If, like, you have the option to stack the 3 million Satoshis or buy a full node, just depends. If you, I feel like everyone should do it when they're ready, but if you have a lot of a lot of Bitcoin, then you definitely should. And I don't know. I actually don't know. We're really being open about a lot of things that normally I'd be embarrassed to talk about on Twitter. You know, that I'm trading with 10% of my portfolio. Oh, what? Just kidding. Yeah. I think and saying those tight stop losses and like 2xing. It's like, I know that's bad, but I'm getting more Satoshis. The other thing is like, we don't run a full node. I don't run a full node. Oh my goodness! Coming clean, coming clean. <laughs> um, but I yeah. I really want to. I I just right now we're both students and we're unemployed and we have uh, expenses that we pay ourselves and I just need to hold on to my stack, you know. I think we're in fear of getting canceled, but we want to be honest to the pot. We're not going to cut that section out. We're going to leave it in. We're going to leave it in because we're honest with you. Yeah, and I think that's important. And if we get clapped and if we get frecked, you guys roast us, and that's good. <laughs> we'll realize that it's not good. But I mean, and we'll I'm, stop the trading and we'll buy the dang node. <laughs> we'll buy it. Yes. So, yeah, definitely, we're open to a lot of input we're looking for all the plebs out there we're looking for the plebs we're sharing the plebs perspective you know like yeah 
if you're American HODL, you don't need to worry about the price of your day node. Right? That's true. If you're Matt Odell, you buy those cold cards for fun. You already have 10 on hand. But if you're a pleb, you don't have $700 to go like buy those hardwares, even though we know it's so important. Yeah. Maybe we just need to pull the trigger. Maybe. Maybe. Bitcoin is high right now. $23,534. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you've made it this far, like, share, retweet. Um, give us some crap for our sins. Give us input. Give, give us, us input. Like, please yell at us. <laughs> please. Please. And plebs, if you're out there, come on the podcast. We can't just keep talking to ourselves about Bitcoin. We're going nuts. This is true. I second that. All right. Peace.